Okay, so we've been talking about making a difference. Uh, and just for those who may not know, all the things we do, the, the Christmas in the village and the, uh, the thing we do around Halloween time, all that's free for everybody who comes. That's all free. We don't charge anybody for anything. So it's a great outreach to our community. Um, as we look at these scriptures that I've chosen to share with you tonight, I want you to hear them for the, verse, for the first time. Maybe you've heard one of them before. Maybe you can memorize it. Maybe you can quote it to me in the Greek, you know, and break it off down. But I want you to hear it for the first time. What we're talking about is making a difference with prayer. With prayer. Well, I know a lot about prayer. Yeah, well, maybe. But maybe there's something God wants to reveal to us so we will be making a difference in our own homes, in our, our community, with the, you know, elevator and all the help uh, assist pe people who need that. In uh, Cora, you know, in our election that's coming up, please be praying in regards to our election. You know, you be seeking God. Now, we need to understand God's word and God's ways, and you pray and you seek God and you choose the best, most godly, you know, that you feel that God would have you to vote for. Hopefully, we've got some uh, uh, little pamphlets ordered that will kind of coach you a, a little bit in a way that we can legally do that. Uh, so hopefully those come in really, really soon and uh, inspire you in some, some areas. But pray. I do know that's one thing that does make a difference when you pray. Does anybody here pray at all? Okay. All right. Most of you. Okay. All right. It does make a difference, I'll tell you. Well, let's start off here looking in John chapter 15, and it says, Jesus is talking. He says, yes, I am the vine, you know. The life comes from the vine, you know. The life don't come from the branches. Life comes from the vine. The vine has the roots on it down to the ground. Jesus says, I am the vine. You are the branches. Now, the fruit comes from the branches. That's us. Jesus is the vine. We're the branches. Here's where the fruit comes from us, you know. And he says, those who remain in me and I in them will produce, what's that word? Much fruit. He's saying, you stay connected to me. You're going to produce a lot of fruit. You remain in me, and I'm in you. We're connected. You're going to be extremely fruitful. That means you're going to make a difference with your life. And I think that's what we all want. We want to make a difference with our life. We don't just want to go through the motions. We don't want to just survive and exist, but we want to make a difference with what we do. And we can, regardless of where you work, where you live, it don't matter. When you stay connected to Jesus, you can make a huge difference in this world in which we live. God has us here for a purpose. Well, let me look at uh, verse 8 now. John 15, verse 8, and, and Jesus goes on to say, he says, my true disciples, now, that implies that there are some false disciples. And the word disciple just means a follower. So there are some really not following, or they're not following closely. They're following from a great distance. And he says here, my true disciples produce much fruit, and this brings great glory, honor to my Father. See, fruit makes a difference. If anybody have any fruit trees in your yard? or Does it make a difference? What if the tree didn't ever produce no fruit? It don't make as big of a difference, does it? 
It'll make a nice little campfire, won't it? <laughs> Roast a marshmallow or two, possibly. Yes. Okay. But Jesus says, my true disciples produce much fruit, and this brings great glory, honor to my Father. So fruit makes a difference. Fruit brings glory and honor to God. So when we're making a difference, it honors God. When, when we're making a difference of our life, it honors God. John 15, going back over here to verse 5, picking up where we left off, it says, Jesus says, for apart from me, what can you do? You can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can't make a difference. Apart from me, you can't make a difference. Apart from me, that's what Jesus is saying. If you get disconnected, you can't make a difference. You take the, the, the branch off of the vine, it can't produce any more fruit. But when we stay connected to Jesus, we can be very fruitful, and it brings honor to the Almighty. Okay, John 15, um, let me read that, uh, the latter part of verse 5, and then we'll go to verse 6. It says, for apart from me you can do nothing. Anyone who parts from me, separation, is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Once it was alive, but now it withers. There's no more sap. There's no more life flowing into it. So he says, anyone who parts from me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if, and this word if, it, this, this is a condition on which something depends. If you do, blah, blah, blah happen. If you don't, blah, blah, blah happen. You know, it's conditional. He says, but if you stay joined to me, you, you stay connected, and my word remains in you, then you may, if you want to, you may, what's that next word? Ask. What's the next one? Any. And what's the next one? He says, then, if you stay connected to him and his word remains in you, you love it, you feed upon it, you read it, you study it, you hide it in your heart, you meditate upon it. He says here, if you stay joined to me, it's conditional. If you don't stay joined, it ain't going to happen. But if you stay joined to me and my words remain in you, you may. You don't have to, but you may ask any request you like. Hmm. Does anybody here have a desire that you'd like to ask God for some help on? Two people. Okay, three, four, five. Okay. I was just like, well, all that's going to go to them if y'all don't want any of it, you know. But he says here, if you stay joined to me and my word remains in you, you may ask any request you like. And it will be granted. And the Greek right here means it will come into being. It's like God saying, if I don't have one of those in stock, I'll just make you one. That's the essence of what he's saying here. So you don't ever have to worry about God being out of stock or the shelves, you know, when you got a hurricane coming, all the shelves go barren and empty. That don't happen with God. Never has, never will. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord God, our provider. So he says, if you'll stay joined to me, like the branch stays joined to the vine, he says, 
and my word remains in you, you may ask any request. That's why I said, I want you to read this and hear this like it was the first time. Sometimes we hear it and we kind of pass it. Oh, yeah, I know what that says. It's like, no, hear it for the first time. Ask any request you like. Ask any request you like. You think if we're asking God to help all the people we're supporting over there in Ethiopia to help, help them find just the right building? Yes. You think if, he, if we ask him to help us just to knock this elevator out really quick and bring hundreds of people through those doors, think he'll, he'll do that for us? Yes. He wants it more than we do. <laughs> and all the other things that you have of need in your life, God loves you and he cares about you. And he will meet those needs. We learn to trust him. We learn to be patient. And, and, and while we're waiting, we wait, right? But what do we do while we wait? We groan and moan and complain. Let's try it one time. Oh, oh isn't that sickening? We rejoice. We praise God in the midst of it. So, I'll read it one more time. It's just such a powerful verse. He says, if you stay joined, connected to me, and my word remains in you, you may ask any request you like, and it will be granted. And I'm going to tell you something. When your prayers are getting answered like that, it makes a difference. You're praying for a neighbor who don't know Christ, and they come to know Christ. You, you pray for someone who's not feeling well, and they feel better. You pray for someone who doesn't have enough to... To, to meet the rest of the month, and God provides supernaturally for them. Praying makes a difference. Stay connected to him. Keep his word going in you. And then he says, you can do this. You may. Now, you may be too busy to ask God for stuff, but you may. He says, you may. You can ask any request you like, and it will be granted. So says the Bible. So abiding closely with Jesus and his word staying close to our minds and our heart is key to having prayers answered. And, and, and answers to prayers makes a difference, makes an eternal difference. It makes physical, financial, emotional, relational differences when you pray and God answers those things. It's really, really important. So, I need a volunteer. Okay, Nikki, here will be a good one. Since Dad said so, right? All right. Okay, here, don't you grab the end of that thing there? Can you do that? Can we carry this out? All right. Yeah, okay. Okay, I'm going this way. You go that way. Yeah, keep going. That's all right. We'll do it. Just wanted you guys to know we're... I know it's kind of late and all, but we want to have a board meeting here tonight. <laughs> okay, just lay it right there. Okay. Okay, let me see here. No, that's a, this is all we need right now. I got it. I need you out here to help me, though. Yep. Okay. All right. Now, why don't you lift up that side of the board? Okay, yeah, yeah, about right there. That's good. Uh, 
Go ahead and turn loose of it. That's perfect. Okay? Now don't you come over here. Now don't you want to just stand on it. <clears throat> okay. Now you understand, I want to help this brother here. You know, he just needs to be lifted up. You know what I'm saying? So I'm going to do my best to lift him up. Now, did you understand what prayer is? This is prayer. Prayer is a lever. Who was that who said, if you give me a lever, a long enough lever and a place to stand, I can move the world? Yeah, I was somebody said that. <laughs> I've even said it a few times, but I don't know where it originated. Some, some historical creature somewhere. But you know, what? It's, it's like levers are amazing. How many of y'all use levers on a regular basis? Raise your hand. You just use one. Those are levers. Scissors are levers. You know, hedge clippers are levers. I mean, but you can use one. You can dig around a big old root over there, you know, and you can't pull it out. But if you get a long enough lever and you stick that lever under that root and you get a long enough lever and enough of weight, you can lift it out of the hole. You know what I'm talking about? That's the way. So this thing right here is called a fulcrum. That's where you put your lever. But a, a lever is like a, prayer is like a lever. Prayer is powerful, powerful, and it changes things, and it moves the world in which we live. But so now I'm going to move Nikki here. So you hang on, because I don't want to get you so high that you'll, you know, get frightened or anything. Okay, okay so you just hang on really good. You ready? All right, so. Uh. Oh, man. The fulcrum is faulty. Okay, here. You want to help bring one of those other fulcrums out here? Okay. All right. Yeah, that looks pretty good, I reckon. Yeah, let's straighten them up a little bit so I don't throw you into the screen up for there. All right, now, let me explain something to you. Okay, stand on there. A short prayer ain't going to really do much right here. Okay, hop off. I need a longer prayer. Do you know what I'm saying? And, and prayer is like a lever, and it's just like, Now, let's just say I couldn't budge that. And then what I do, just stay right there. You'll be all right. I get somebody else to help me. That's the prayer of agreement. You get someone else to, hey, would you come over here and help me pray about some things that's going on? And we pray together. And you get a lot of people praying about the same thing. And this lever is really easy to move then. Is that not right? You know, when you get more people applying it. And this is, for real, this is exactly like prayer. And this fulcrum, okay, can we hop off just a second? The fulcrum is the word of God. Amen. Okay? Now, when you pray, okay, you go ahead and step on that, when you say, you know, like Nikki, he's here, like, I don't know what I'm going to do in my life. I'm just kind of confused. I don't know what's going on, you know? So I said, I'm going to pray for him. It's like, Father, you said in your word, so I put the prayer on the fulcrum of the word. Father, you said if we lack wisdom, 
we could ask, and I'm asking you to give Nikki wisdom, you know, and I can lift him up. See, you pray what the Word of God says. You don't pray emotion. Oh, God, help, help, help. That don't really accomplish a whole lot. It really doesn't. But you go, Father, you said, well, maybe he's not feeling it. He said that by the stripes of Jesus, we're healed. He said we can lay hands upon the sick and they'll recover. He said we can anoint people with oil. And you say, Father, you said in your word and we pray, and guess what happens? Prayer is most effective when it is founded based upon the word of God. You pray the word. If you pray emotions and feelings, it's like using the cardboard box. Does that make sense? That's exactly the way it is. So y'all give uh, Nikki here a grand applause. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, Nikki gives signatures at the end of the service, I'm sure. Okay. All right. So. Uh, time factor here. Okay. Then, uh, okay. First John chapter three, verse twenty-one. And it says this, it says, Dear friends, if our conscience, now how many of y'all have a conscience? We talked about the conscience as what shape? Doritos, remember? You know, and you, you, your conscience bothers you when you do something, it turns, ah, you know. We were talking about how we exercise our conscience to be void of offense. We only talked about that for like six weeks, you know. I mean, I wouldn't really expect y'all to remember that, though, but. I'm, I'm getting offended about this, you know. No. Now listen to what he says, though. He says here, dear friends, if our conscience is what? Clear. You, you, you've confessed your sins to God. You've forgiven everybody who's hurt you. Your conscience is what? Clear. He says, if your conscience is clear, we can come to God with what? Bold confidence. Bold confidence. Not just the word confidence is talking about faith. When you're conscious, if you have a guilty conscience, you come to God and you're going, oh, Lord, I know I really shouldn't even bother you because I've been so bad, you know. And you don't really expect God to do anything. But he, if you confess your sins, he said, if your conscience is clear, and that doesn't mean because you never sinned, it means because you confessed it to God and you dealt with it. So if your conscience is clear, we can come to God with bold confidence. Now, Psalm 66, verse 16 says, Come and listen, all of you who fear God, and I will tell you what he did for me. For I cried out to him for help. Help, Lord, I need you. I'm going through this, and this is what I... And he says, I cried out, you know, for help, praising him as I spoke. Not complaining, but praising him. You're the Almighty. You can do anything. This is nothing for you, O God. I'm, I'm coming to you for help. He says, in praising him as I spoke, if I had not confessed the sin in my heart, my Lord would not have. So the first prayer, when you go to God, the first prayer is, Father, I've sinned against you. Please forgive me for my sins. You said, that's the fulcrum. You said, if I confess my sins to you, you were faithful and just to forgive me and to cleanse me from every wrong. You said it. So we pray based upon the forecome of the word of God. And when you confess your sins to God, what does God do? He forgives them. You're innocent. You're not guilty. 
because you, you, you were basing upon his word. And if you go, God, God, I'm just sorry. I'm, I'm real sorry, you know. Is that an effective prayer? No, there's a lot of people who agree with you. You're, you're one of the sorriest people I ever saw, you know. No, that's not, that's not using the fulcrum of the Word of God. There's no confidence that rises up in there. But when you know the Word because you're connected to Christ and His Word is in you, you know how to pray it. You, you apply the lever to the fulcrum. Anyhow, verse 18, if I, had, if I had not confessed the sin in my heart, my Lord would not have listened. Hmm. But God did listen. He paid attention to my prayer. Praise God who did not ignore my prayer. He didn't ignore the prayer. He listened to the prayer. And as we'll see later on in the lesson, when he hears your prayer and you know he heard your prayer, you're guaranteed to have the answer. Are you serious? That's what the Bible tells us. You know? He says, praise God. Praise God who did not ignore my prayer and did not withdraw his unfailing love from me. Anyhow, there's so much about it, but I want you to hear these passages for the first time. Hebrews 4, 16 says, so let us, now who is us? It's all you guys out in online world, all you guys in the building, all you guys downstairs, all you guys who are listening to it on a CD, DVD, you know, whatever, this is us. This is all of us here. It says, so let us come boldly. Does your Bible say that? So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy. And we will find grace to do what? To help us when we need him. He, didn't, he, he, he said the way we come to him is not like, oh, God, I'm, I, you know, I've really been bad. And I, just, I know you're probably not even listening to me. And I'm just... That's not what he said to do. How did he say Come boldly. It's not arrogantly, but it's bold with great confidence that God wants you to come. He wants to hear what you got to say. He wants to help you. So it says, let us come boldly to his throne. I mean, that's right there smack dab in the middle of where God's will is going on at the throne room. So we can come boldly there. It was a sense of being in the center of God's will that gave Luther his great boldness in prayer. Martin Luther was an amazing man. And in 1540, Luther's great friend and assistant, Frederick Myconius, became sick and was expected to die within a short time. On his bed, he wrote a loving farewell note to Luther, who he worked with. And he wrote with a trembling hand. Luther received the letter and instantly sent back a reply. And this is what Luther told his sick, dying friend. I command thee in the name of God to live because I still have need of thee in the work of reforming the church. That was his response to a sick man. Kind of like blew him away, you know. The Lord will never let me hear that thou art dead but will permit thee to survive me. For this I am praying. This is my will, and may my will be done because I seek only to glorify the name of God. My will is his will. 
I've adapted his will as my own. The words almost shocking to us as we live in a more sensitive and cautious day, but they were certainly from God, for although Myconius had already lost the ability to speak when Luther's letter came, in a short time he revived. He recovered completely, and he lived six more years to survive Luther himself by two months. He outlived Luther by two months. That was a pretty bold prayer, don't you think? If somebody comes in and prays for you and your family, your loved ones, and it's like, wait, what? This is shocking, you know? You know, that's bold. But see, he knew who he was in God. He was about God's will. And he had his prayer firmly planted on the fulcrum of God's word. And God answered his prayer. Dare we pray such bold prayers? Well, maybe not, because it only does say here, let us come boldly to the throne. Oh, yeah, maybe we should pray that way. What do you think? 1 John chapter 3, verse 22 says, And we will receive... What's that next word? And we will receive whatever we request. No limitations placed here. Continuous action, this is talking about here. You know, to keep on requesting, it says, and we will receive whatever we request because we obey him. And that word obey him is talking about habitually. That, that's a habit. That's ongoing, continuing prayer. And we will receive whatever we request because we obey him and do the things that please him. You mean if I obey God and I'm staying connected to him and I'm, I'm learning his word and it's in my heart and I'm doing the things that please him, God's going to answer my prayers? Exactly. And then you can go boldly. Not just like, well, maybe God. You know, I hear... This, this is what I've heard so much in my life. Started when I was a kid. Hear people pray pretty good prayers. Lord, please bless so-and-so and help so-and-so and do this. If it be thy will. It's just like you just undid everything you did. If it be thy will, it is God's will to hear our prayers. It is God's will to answer our prayers. If we're connected to him and we're in his word, and we're praying in accordance to his word, it is his will to save everybody, to heal people, to provide their needs. So we go to him, Father, you said you would provide our needs according to your riches and glory through Christ Jesus. And here's the need we're asking you to meet right now. But when you pray all these nice, wonderful prayers, you go, well, if it be thy will, the thing of it is, we need to go find out what the fulcrum says before we pray. We need to find out what kind of fulcrum we have. What does the Bible say? What is God's will? Is it God's will that all you guys go to heaven? Yes. Absolutely. Is it God's will for the people that you know who are not saved yet? Is it God's will for them to go to heaven? Yes. Absolutely. So you can pray for them and not go, well, Lord, just save them if it be thy will. No. There's a lot more power when you, you go, Father, you said to pray for more laborers to go into the harvest. You said, whoever calls upon your name will be saved. And Lord, I'm asking you right now to save my lost loved ones, my neighbors, the people I work with, whatever it might be. In the name of Jesus Christ, I'm asking. You can pray boldly. Amen. And it's not, if it be your will, find out what God's will is in the first place. 
And then your prayers are a lot more powerful. Practice doing habitually the things that pleases God. He said, because if we, we obey him and do what pleases him, our prayers, whatever we request, our prayers will be answered. That's what he tells us here. You remember we talked about last week. We're not going to go into it now, but we talked about last week about if men don't honor their wives, what happens? Prayers aren't answered. So if you want your prayers to be answered, honor your wife. You know, I mean, that's God's word. That's the fulcrum. Father, you said if I honor my wife, my prayers are, will be answered. So you've got a good footing, a good fulcrum to pray upon, see. You're not just praying based upon emotions and, and feelings and so forth. Let's see here. 1 John chapter 2, verse 3 says, And how can we be sure that we belong to him? How can you be sure that you, that, that you belong to God? He says, by obeying his commandments. Do you obey him? I mean, do we ever disobey? And we confess our sins to God, and he forgives us, and he helps us get back on the right track. But he tells us this, if there's been no transformation in your life, if there's been no change in your life, well, then you may not be his, you see. Just to say a prayer does not necessarily do it all if, if you didn't really experience a transformation. He says here, he says, and how can we be sure that we belong to him? By obeying his commandments. See, obeying God is the greatest expression of our love for him. Did you know that? Listen to what it says here in John 14, 15. Jesus says, if you love me, disobey my commandments. So what is that? No, he says, if you love me, obey my commandments. Because his commandments are good for us. They're healthy for us, you know. Power in prayer does not come from an occasional burst of obedience, but it comes from lives that live habitually obedient. I'm, I, this is my lifestyle, to live my life in a way that honors God. You're talking about lots of prayers are being answered there. Prayer after prayer after prayer is being answered there with great power, and they pray with boldness when they have a relationship. They're connected. His word is there, you see. And he tells us in Psalms 37, verse 4, take delight in the Lord. Love him. Just let that be the, the greatest joy of your life, your relationship you have with, with Christ. Take delight in the Lord, and he'll give you your heart's desires. When you love him, I mean genuinely love him enough to obey him, he'll, he says he'll give you your heart's desires. Hebrews 13, verse 20, it says, And now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, may, may he equip you with all you need for doing his will. God will never, ever ask you to do something and not provide what you have need of. Never, never will. He's not going to tell you to do something and not equip you to do it. He says here, And now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ, all that is pleasing to him. He's going to give you the power. He's going to give you the equipment to live a life that honors him and that pleases him. It's not like, well, I can't do it. No, you can do it through Christ who strengthens you. What does he tell us in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8? Study this book of the law continually. Meditate on it day and night so you may be sure to obey all that is written in it. Only then will you succeed. 
Study it, meditate on it, obey it, and succeed. That's the key. Study, meditate, obey, succeed. That's what he's telling us because our prayer and our life is based upon the fulcrum of his word and it will hold up. It won't cave in. God's word conditions you and me to pray bold, powerful prayers, prayers that get answered. He tells us in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, he says, let, it is a choice, let the words of Christ and all their richness live in your hearts and make you wise. Let God's word live in your heart. You remember? Stay connected to him. His word remains in you. Live in your heart. It'll make you wise. You'll pray powerful prayers. You'll pray prayers that get answered. You're not praying, well, if it be your will, it just kind of lets you off the Well, it probably wasn't God's will in the first place. Find out what his will is when you go to him in prayer. John chapter 16, verse 13, it says, when the spirit of truth comes, and he has already come, he will guide you into all the truth. And he will not be presenting his own ideas. He will be telling you what he has heard. And he will tell you about the future. And he will bring me, Jesus talking, he'll bring me glory by revealing to you whatever he receives from me. And that all that the Father has is mine. The Father's given it to me. And this is what I mean when I say the Spirit will reveal to you whatever he receives from me. The Holy Spirit is going to teach you everything about Jesus. He's going to bring back to your mind what the Scripture says, the things that you've read. And you didn't even really work at memorizing them, but the Holy Spirit will bring them back to you. Uh, he's part of this fulcrum here. He's just going to bring honor to God and cause you to be extremely fruitful. Well, let me go on. Uh, our time is getting away. It says in Mark eleven twenty two, it says, Then Jesus said to the disciples, and a disciple is a follower. That's all the disciple is here. Now let me look at John chapter 8. We're going to come back here. John 8, 29 says, and Jesus is speaking. He says, and the one who sent me is with me. That's Jesus. The one, the father who sent me, he's, he's with me. He has not deserted me, for I always do those things that are pleasing to him. Jesus said, I always please the father. As he said, if you please the father, your prayers are going to be answered. You know? And then he goes and says in verse 30, then many who heard him say these things believed in him. And Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples, my followers. And if, here's that conditional word again, if you keep obeying my teachings, aren't we hearing this over and over, obeying him and doing what pleases him? He says, if you keep obeying my teachings, not just once in a great while, but if you keep obeying my teachings and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you what? Free. And the devil tries to imprison you. He tries to chain you up. He tries to put you in bondage of your past, of your present. Uh, you know, the devil is trying to do his best to, to put us in bondage so we aren't free to serve him. But you said, we'll know the truth. And it's the truth that sets us free. Mark 11, verse 22, once again, it says... Then Jesus said to the disciples, have faith in God. He says, you be persuaded. Have faith in God. Be persuaded. Be confident. Be convicted of the truthfulness of God. Jesus says, you have faith in God. You can believe him. You can trust him. You can rely on him. No, no. 
Hop over here to James with me. James 1, 6. It says, but when you ask, that's, that's talking about prayer, but when you ask him, be sure that you really expect him to answer. When someone says, oh, Father, please do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, if it be your will, does that sound like you believe he's going to answer? Or you just left yourself a loophole, so if he don't answer, you can say, well, it probably wasn't God's will. But listen to what he says here. Then you study it all in its proper context. But when you ask him, be sure that you really expect him to answer. Martin Luther expected God to answer and heal his assistant. And he prayed boldly. But when you ask him, be sure you really expect him to answer for a doubtful mind. The word doubtful means double. You go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, yes, yeah. Yo, no, no. Yeah, north, no, no. No, south, south. We, no, 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 west. I mean, you got two minds in one head. Is that good? No, it's not. He says here, but when you ask him, be sure that you really expect him to answer for a double, a doubtful mind is as unsettled as the wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. People like that who are double-minded, well, yeah, maybe God will answer. No, he's probably not going to answer. Yeah, well, he will answer. No, he's not going to answer. He says here, people like that who are double-minded, which is nothing more than doubtful-minded, they're thinking two things at the same time. People like that should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. If you're going to invest the time to pray, you best just believe that God's going to answer your prayers. Because if you're back and forth, he says, you're not going to receive anything. You don't expect anything. You're double-minded. You're doubtful-minded. That's what he's saying. Now, this is not a negative message here, folks. This is like, wake us up. It's like, you know what? If I want to invest the time to pray, I'm going to believe God to work a miracle for those guys in Ethiopia. If I'm going to pray for someone who's not saved to get, get saved, I'm going to pray with confidence that, yes, God is going to answer that prayer. Because if you become double-minded, you just, you just flunked. It ain't nothing going to happen. Verse 7, people like that should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Verse 8, they can't make up their minds. Yes, he will. No, he won't. Yes, he will. No, he won't. Yes, he will. No, he won't. He says they can't make up their minds. They waver back and forth in everything they do. Double-minded, which is the exact same thing as saying doubtful-minded. Same exact same thing. Okay, going back to what Jesus said. In Mark chapter 11, verse 22, it says, Jesus, I assure you. Now, does assure, does that sound positive? He said, I'm going to assure you about something. If Jesus said, I'm going to assure you, it ain't going to rain tomorrow. What's going to happen tomorrow? I don't know, but it ain't going to rain. I do know that. I mean, if he assures us, he says, I assure you that you can say to this mountain. Now, there was a Mount of Olives there that, that represented all immovable obstacles and objects. Here's a mountain that didn't move, and it represents every obstacle that's in your way and in my way. And Jesus said, I'll assure you that you can say to this mountain, may God lift you up and throw you into the sea. Jesus is talking. And your command will be obeyed. Because you're connected with Jesus, his word is remaining in you. When you're praying about it, you're praying based upon his word. 
is the fulcrum, not just upon emotions or feelings or something like that. You're, you're obeying him and you're doing the things that pleases him and you're in an amazing, powerful place to receive prayers answered and mountains or immovable obstacles moved out of your way. We do our part, God does his part. That's what he says. I assure you, you can say to this mountain, may, and this is Jesus talking to us, may God lift you up and throw you into the sea and your command will be obeyed. Is this really possible? It's about eight. When our words are his words, it's possible. When we begin to think the way God thinks, it's possible. When you really begin to believe that everything that God says is absolutely true, it's possible. You're connected with him. His word is remaining in you. When you pray, you're praying according to the word. It's your fulcrum. You're, you're doing your best to obey him. And if you, if you sin, then you still obey him. And you confess your sin, he forgives you. And you do your best to please him with your life. And then when you say to the mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, I'm telling you, those immovable obstacles that are in your life, and it could be a mountain of debt, it could be a mountain of health problems, or a mountain of relational problems, or it might be a physical mountain, but I'm telling you, it'll move. You go, are you serious about this? Is it possible? Well, those who spoke up, it is possible for you. Because if we have the courage to speak, because he said, speak to the mountain. Because see, we're doing nothing more than what God did. In the, in the book of Genesis, how did God create everything? When he got time to, ready to, to make the sunlight, he said, let there be light. And there was light. And then he spoke and he created all the animals. And I got to read you this verse. This is awesome. First, this is Genesis 1, verse 26. It says, And God says, Let us make people in our image to be like ourselves. And he did. And, and they will be masters over all life. The fish, you fishermen should take this to heart, okay? <laughs> You'll be masters over the fish and over the birds and over the wild animals and the small animals. He said, You'll be masters over them. I said, yes, Lord, I believe that. Next time I go fishing, I'm going to catch a lot of fish. You think I'm teasing when I say that, but he says to be masters over them and over your livestock and over all the plants and all. So God, verse 27 says, so God created people in his own image. God patterned them after himself, male and female. He created them and he made them in his own image. And he had the ability to say, let there be light. And there was light. And he created you that way. So you should never, ever tell somebody you're no good. You'll never amount to nothing. You're just a stupid old nobody. Because you have creative power in your words the same way God does. And we should use all of our words to speak positive and speak life. Life and death is in the power of our tongue. So says the Bible. Well, let me go back over here to Mark chapter 11, verse 22. It says, then Jesus said to the disciples, have faith in God. I assure you that you can say to this mountain, may God lift you up and throw you into the sea and your command will be obeyed. All that is required is that you really believe. Believe what God has promised in his word. All that is required is that you really believe and do not doubt in your heart. 
Well, there are some things that we can read and watch that tears down faith. And there are some things that we can read and study and watch that builds up faith. Which should we do? Build it up and not partake of that which tears it down. That's just absolutely for sure. And uh, it says in Hebrews 12, 1, keeping our eyes on Jesus, whom our faith depends from start to finish. Keep our eyes on Jesus. Our faith starts with him and it ends with him. So keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep looking to him. Not religion, but, but a relationship with Jesus Christ is talking about. So now here this wraps this, this piece of this up. In Mark chapter 11, verse 24, it says, so listen to me. Jesus just told us about how to speak to a mountain in it and, and the mountain would move. He says, listen to me. You can. Well, but will you? Just because you can do something don't mean you will, right? You can lose weight, right? But will you, right? You can't exercise, but will you? But he says here, listen to me. You can pray for anything. And if you believe, you will have it. He said that. He he said that. Listen to me, exclamation mark, Jesus says. You can pray for anything, and if you believe, you will have it. Mark chapter 9, verse 23 says, What do you mean, if I can, Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person does what? Believe. Believes. In a time in our life where there is more immorality thrown at us, and there's more fear and anxiety and doubt and double-mindedness and triple and quadruple-mindedness, you know, we can stand strong. And we can have faith in Almighty God. And for such a time as this, he's put us here on this planet. Anything is possible if a person believes. And God's word, as you read it, it enables you to believe. Okay, Mark chapter 11, verse 25, it says, but when you're praying... You're getting ready to see some mountains move. You're getting ready to see some miracles take place. He says, but when you are praying first, now which place is that? One, two, three, four, five. Is first fifth place? Is first third place? Where is it? It's before anything else. And he says here, but when you're praying before anything else, forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against. You got a grudge against somebody? Don't even be concerned about your prayers because they ain't going to be answered. You know, you just threw a bucket on your campfire. You know what I'm saying? He says, but when you're praying, first forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against. It makes a difference to forgive people so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Okay. Okay. We're going to close with, with this verse right here. This is just an awesome, it's just a powerful verse. In 1 John 5, 14, it says, and we can be confident, confident, and we can be confident that he will listen to us whenever we ask him for anything in line with his will. He says, we're confident. God hears us when we pray, when we're asking anything in, in, in line with the fulcrum. 
in line with his word, with his will. He says, and we can be confident that he will listen to us whenever we ask him for anything in line with his will. Where is it? Oh, I got it here somewhere. Oh, yeah. You know what this is? Really important. It's a menu from Wendy's. <laughs> if I only had my glasses, I would read you all this on here, but I can't hardly see them. But they've got all kinds of breakfasts, and they've got snacks, and they've got lunches, and dinners, and midnight snacks. Hold on. They have Frosties? Woo! Man. Now, when I get a burger or something like that, I have to get it without the bread because I'm allergic to wheat, you know, but that's okay. They don't mind. They just put all kinds of lettuce and tomatoes and stuff on top of it, you know, a burger and a little thingamajig there. And they get awesome salads. Woo! I mean, all kinds with all kinds of chicken and things on them and cashews and, oh, man. Now, when I go to Wendy's, not too often, but when I go to Wendy's with my family, guess what? They don't have to see the menu. James goes, I want two of these and two of those, and I want some of this, and I want one of those. Do you know what I'm talking about? How many of you go to a restaurant every once in a while of some kind? How many of you already know what you're going to order when you go in? When they say, well, you need a restaurant? I mean, don't even need one. You got it memorized. Now, let me tell you something. When I go to Wendy's, and I might go tonight on the way home, I'm not sure. <laughs> I have a life group, but they'll probably wait. But when I go to the first time it ever happened, you know, when I did the drive through thing, and I go, I'm looking at all, it's just like crazy. I don't understand all this stuff, you know? But I finally figured out I want one of those kind of burgers with. Out the bread. Chili? I'll have a, a large chili. Onions and cheese on it? Sure. And I'll have uh, large order fries. They taste nasty when they get cold, but you got to eat them while they're hot, you know? Oh, do I want a frosty? No, I, don't. I want three of them, but I better only take one because the family is with me, you know? But I learned if, if I order what's on the menu, I have confidence. I drive up there to that first window, pay, then I go to the second window, and I'm ready to receive. And I got bonus, and if they don't bring it to me, I'm climbing in that window and getting it myself. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Because I did what they said on the menu. And the lady in the little speaker says, would you come up to the first window, please? And I did. And then she said, would you go to the second window and you can receive your stuff? And I was like, I did. And I was confident, man. I was bold. And I asked, can I have some of that special sauce for my son's chicken nuggets, you know? And they just give me all the sauce I wanted. You know what I'm talking about? And it says a little sign, if you want ketchup and salt, ask for it. Can I have some ketchup for the fries and some salt? I would like more than that, please. And guess what? They wasn't upset. They gave it to me. Yes, you know what I'm talking about. 
I think is alive. <laughs> and when you pray according to what the menu says, you can ask them, I want a chili and I want a frosty. And they'll give you that. You'll receive it there. But when you go to Almighty God and you use the fulcrum, you look at the menu and say, Father, you said this is on your menu and I can be bold when I go to Almighty God because I know I'm going to receive what I asked from him because I did what he told me to do. Now, do you think, I mean, I'm telling you, it's the truth. Do you think God is less faithful than Wendy's is? He's more faithful, is he not? So I would encourage you tonight to start reading that menu, man. Get familiar with the menu and do what he says. There's a sign up there. And it says, for the safety of all the people involved, you cannot walk up to the outside window and order some. You have to drive it. Does that make sense? That makes sense to me. So what happens when you walk up there and try to order something? Somebody's going to probably run over you because they're really hungry and they're in the line. But you're not going to get nothing. So if you don't confess your sins, if you don't do what the signs tell you, you're not going to get anything from Wendy's. And if you don't confess your sins to God, if you don't remain connected to Jesus, if you don't keep his word in your heart, and then, you know, if you're double-minded and you well, how come uppers don't get answered? Well, go ask the people at Wendy's why they won't serve you when you walk up to the window. You didn't read the instructions. Amen. And abide by them. But you get in an automobile or come on the inside, they'll wait on you and give you everything that you want. I'm just telling you, it's powerful that God has given us his book. He's given us his word. And if we'll abide by what he says, he'll do everything that he's promised. Does that make sense? Well, you know what? Let's just, uh, I want to close with the song. I know we've taken a little bit of time, but I want you to hear this song. It's probably a familiar song, but I want you to hear it and let it be resonating in your heart and your mind as we leave tonight. So let's listen to this together.
That's what faith can do. And almighty God, he's given us his book. He says faith comes by hearing it. And he tells us no man can please God without faith. That's the initiation. That's the way things happen when we just take God at his word and believe what he has to say. Don't matter who you are. Don't matter how long you've known Christ. Any man, woman, boy, or girl who will take God seriously Take him at his word. Let's bow our heads if we could. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ, the name above every other name. And we thank you. Father, we have opportunity. We could complain and moan and groan and bellyache, but it does no good. It only does bad. And we come to you in the name of Jesus. And we ask, Almighty God, that you would work in our hearts in our lives, and you would just cause our faith to rise and soar. Help us to stay well connected with you, the branch that we are connected to the vine. And may we become more fruitful than we ever dreamed possible. And may our lives make a difference. Father, tonight and tomorrow and the next day, may our lives make a difference and give us the boldness, almighty God, when we pray when we pray corporately with others, when we pray when we're all alone, give us a boldness to talk to you, almighty God. Now would you reaffirm your faith with me right now as we join together and ask Jesus Christ 
to come into our lives. And if you know him already, it's a reaffirming of your faith. But if you don't know him, I want you to join me and let him come in for the very first time. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me and you have good plans for my life. That's why you sent your son. And I believe that Jesus paid for my sins. And I believe he rose from the dead and he's knocking at the door of my life. I open that door right now and I welcome Jesus in as my Savior, as my Lord, as my provider, as my healer, as my restorer. I welcome Jesus in as my everything. And I receive your pardon. I receive your forgiveness. And I receive Jesus as my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You know, on your way out, uh, just to remind you, if you want to drop your uh, connections card in the uh, tithe box, it says, I will study God's menu this week and ask accordingly. You know, you ask according to what you study and what your needs are, and he'll meet your needs. If you uh, prayed with me just a moment ago and you welcome Christ into your life, if you would stop at the connections desk and pick up a little gift bag from us, it's got a Bible and a movie and some other little goodies that I believe will inspire you. If you're a guest, we have another gift for all of our first-time guests. Just let them know you're here for the first time. Just one of our ways of saying thank you for coming. We hope you come back. If you need some prayer, there'll be people around the altar who will pray with you. And I'm telling you, God still answers prayer. That's what we're talking about. Prayer makes a difference. So take advantage of that. And on your way out, would you get to know somebody? Speak to somebody, high-five somebody, and let's apply this uh, lever to the biblical fulcrum this week and see what happens. God bless you. You are dismissed.